Taz. I'm Caroline. Welcome to the Life Resume. Hey, Caroline. Hey, Taz. How are you? Uh, I'm so excited for this podcast. I cannot tell you. Me too. So we recorded this podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we have a dear friend of mine, um, Laura Hammond, and she's talking to us about her journey with mental health. And it was just such an important and touching conversation. She um, talks to us about some of her experiences, and she also talks to us about um, being an advocate for mental health. And if you're someone who is a friend or a family member or a coworker um, of someone who is going through this kind of journey, um, she talks to us a little bit about some of the things that we can do or that we can look out for or some of the resources available. And um, I just think it was, it was such a powerful conversation and I'm just so excited to to share that with you what i think is so neat is that there may be people who have also had a really long journey with mental health and to shed some light from someone else's perspective who's willing to talk about it openly and who you know not that you can ever notice like you can't see someone's mental health but um you know i think the way that laura comes across is just so amazing and the fact that she shares the story, but I think also for people who maybe are new to the mental health journey or are newly discovering friends or family who are kind of struggling with mental health. I just think this podcast, you know, the, in, the talking to Laura was just so amazing and how open she is. And that's what gets me so excited for, her, for other people to hear her story. Let's get started. Um, Laura is, she's a loving daughter. She's a dedicated aunt. She's an expat, a mental health advocate, and an explorer. And I'm just so excited to bring you this conversation with her. Great. So Laura, I'm really excited to get to know you a little bit better today. And and we like to start off with a bit of a, instead of the usual kind of what do you do question, um, we like to start off and get to know who you are. So if you were to describe, instead of a career resume, your life resume, what kind of things would you highlight for me as I am learning about you? Oh gosh, I think probably the most important would be my family connections. So I'm a daughter, I'm an aunt, I'm an aunt by proxy um, to my wonderful friends, kids. Um, right now I'm a Peloton devotee. I'm really onto that. I love Americanos with cream. So it's a bit of a sacrilege, but that's how I take my coffee. Um, the paper, NPR and CBC um, and uh walking. I love walking anywhere. My two feet and my heartbeat can get me. Amazing. I love that. What a great, um, and succinct description. And I feel like with almost everything you mentioned, you're a girl after my own heart. <laughs> um, so I guess like, I'd love to know since it's kind of trendy right now, everyone's talking about Peloton. This is a little yes. bit, you know, off our track, but what have, when did you start doing Peloton and how did you get into it? Yeah. So like many people, I was looking for ways to stay fit during the pandemic. And I am someone who 
in many things, whether it be work in my personal life, get energy from groups and being with people. And so um, this was a, a way that I could do that at, at home by either joining family and friends on a, on a ride or join, joining one of the live classes. So I actually, um, I'm living in New York City now, but uh, during the pandemic, I was in Canada. And so I ordered my Peloton in May and got it in August. So I'm just 10 weeks in and I have a goal to reach my century ride, which is the Peloton term for a hundred rides before Christmas. Wow. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. That is so great. Yeah. Um, and tell me a little bit more. So, uh, you know, that you love groups and, mm -hmm. and obviously I know that has changed for a lot of people in COVID. I mean, mm -hmm. everyone, I challenge you to find someone that it hasn't changed. Um, and so what has the sort of pandemic journey been like for you in terms of, um, kind of finding the things that maybe new things like Peloton or things that used to mm. kind of fill you up and how that journey has been for you? Gosh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, um, as I said, you know, over the course of the pandemic, I was, um, I left my home in New York City and was living um, in my childhood home. And, you know, it was rough and like for so many people. And I think, you know, there were peaks and valleys to it. Initially, there was the adrenaline. Um, you know, I work for a retail company. So work was quite busy and, and there was a lot of focus there and that helped sort of keep my mind off the personal. But then there was a lot of sadness and, and depression and loss. And um, then there was also, uh, you know, a closeness and a a beauty that developed in terms of routines with my my family, my specifically my father who I was living with. Um, and now um, it's really finding ways to socialize safely, mostly outside. I'm lucky to be in New York um, where there's a ton of outdoor patio options and, you know, outdoor dining has been improved year round and some beautiful parks. And, um, and then for me, now that our retail stores are open, I've been coming a lot more to work in the office so that although I'm not co-located with my team, like I used to be, and there's no large meetings and my days are largely on zoom, I get the element of, you know, saying hello to the coffee person on my way. Um, you know, saying hello to the team in the store as I'm coming in, uh, you know, being at home alone and just in the Zoom reverse all day is not great for me. So I guess it's finding what works for you and trying to find safe ways to do it. Well, I love how you've been able to um, kind of integrate a little bit of both, like like even just saying hello to the coffee person. That's something that mm -hmm. I've felt for sure, just being home and out of the what used to be normal routine mm -hmm. and finding a way to, to balance it. Um, because I know a little bit about your background, I'd love to know, because I feel like all the things you've touched on are things that um, really you are aware of kind of what you need to stay mm -hmm. happy, healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, that's been a bit of a journey for you. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, well, um, yes. So it's, that's an, another important part, I guess, of who I am. So, um, I've been on a lifelong journey with my mental health. Um, so I think, you know, if I look back uh, to the time I was a small child, um, you know, I just had higher highs and lower lows than most people. Um, and in my second year of, of university, I was diagnosed with um, 
a major depression. Now they might call it recurrent depression. Um, it sort of set me off on a journey of how I could fulfill my dreams and do all of the things that are important to me and, and, uh, you know, yeah, fulfill the dreams and, and, um, my vision for my life while also maintaining, uh, good mental health. Um, and so yeah, that's been a journey that I've been on now for almost 20 years. Wow. Yeah. You must have learned a lot in those 20 years. Um, I I remember seeing um, Margaret Trudeau, so our Mm -hmm. prime minister's mother, speak about um, her sort of uh, uh, experience with being um, bipolar. And it was very Mm -hmm. fascinating. She Mm -hmm. talked about how even today, and this was maybe a couple years ago, but so maybe 20, what was it? 2017, Mm -hmm. that there aren't, it's very difficult actually to access resources and things that you need. You know, you can Mm -hmm. walk into a hospital with a broken arm, they know exactly what to do. But Mm -hmm. her point was sort of, you know, you can't really walk in and say, hey, like there's something wrong. It's very difficult for people to sort of, um, Mm-hmm. Know what to do and, and yeah. people to have places to go um, in that time. What are some of the things that, that you've um, experienced or seen that are perhaps either resources or mm-hmm. even just learnings mm-hmm. that maybe someone who's listening to this might not be aware of that you could share with us? Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's such a journey and I relate to that so much. You know, I've talked to people um, over the course of my journey and, and, joked that you you really to get um access to mental health care quickly um you need to be acute you know you need to be running down the street naked and in complete mania and it's really unfortunate and i think there's still for as much as we are more open and we have bell let's talk day and there's a lot around you know we just celebrated world mental health day on october 10th and there were a lot of people posting about that um there's still a lot of stigma attached you know i often think that it would be great i will be very happy on the day where i can call my boss or email my team and say i need to take the day off today it's a mental health day you know i'm not feeling great today um but still for as vocal as i am i still don't disclose when the real reason is that i I need to take time for my mental health so i guess what i found that helps me or what i think that um uh i would want people to know is that i think the first thing is um Unfortunately, the healthcare system is still not set up as, as optimally as it could be to support people that are in need of, of mental health support. So I guess it's you know really having a conversation with your GP, your, your, your general practitioner, your primary care physician, and working with them to advocate on your behalf, to get you referrals. Um, unfortunately, sometimes there are long waiting lists, um, but there are community health centers, there are, you know, crisis lines, there are employee assistance programs, there, there are um, school healthcare centers, and those are all great places as a first resource. Um, I think the second thing is to find someone that you can ask for support to advocate on your behalf. So in my early years, it was my parents and I was very lucky to have them to help me to um, 
find services to make calls, to network, to ask questions. Um, and ultimately that helped me get into a program that I, I think changed my life. Um, and then um, I think it is having a good person to talk to. So I referenced, you know, community health centers and uh, crisis lines, but to find um, a therapist um, or, or a psychiatrist that you can connect with regularly and talk to. Um, I think, unfortunately, that can be cost prohibitive in some ways. Um, but there are a lot of people out there that do offer sliding skills. And if you have a company health benefits program, you can look into to having that covered. Um, but uh, I think there's, there's a real tendency for family physicians to prescribe medication and not follow up on the other bits. And it's like pieces of a puzzle. It's not just one, one thing, I think, that, that supports. Yeah. But Laura, you talked a little bit about um, like you would love to see the day when you can call up work and say, mm -hmm. I, I need a mental health day. Mm -hmm. um, for people who are listening to this who might be in roles of organizations mm -hmm. who can make some of those decisions or who can shape some of that, mm -hmm. what would you recommend or what, what would you say to some of those organizations um, to help people? Yeah, so I think um, finding internal champions. Um, and so, you know, one thing um, I, I did have a very challenging period over the course of, of May and June, um, where I just needed to make some adjustments in my medication. I was quite um, having quite a tough time. And I knew that my team could see it. I was trying to to pretend like everything was fine, but I knew that I wasn't fine. And so I knew that they could likely see that I wasn't fine. And so I had the option of saying, oh, I'm just gonna take vacation a couple of days off or telling them what was going on. And so I told them. And I think having, being able to have that dialogue and be more transparent and, and also like rebranding benefits. So um, some companies have sick leave or sick days what about care days um, or, or um, health days um, so that it's a little bit more uh, broad and then just changing the narrative around how it should be used because, you know, in some organizations it's like, oh, these are for if you are sick, but could care days or health days be used for appointments to prevent you from getting to the point? I mean, we're all going to have points, especially now where we just can't be in the workplace because we're sick. And I would argue if more of us did that, we might not be in this situation, but, um, but uh, so it's good to use them to be, to be off. But I think there, there could also be the option to use them to, to preventatively care for oneself. I'm curious if you, uh, you have a unique perspective of seeing both Canada and the U.S. And mm -hmm. I certainly don't want to get, uh, this could probably go on for hours if we, yeah. get, you know, that. But I think what I'd love to know is just, um, are there differences that you see that are positive in one place that maybe the other mm -hmm. doesn't have or does differently? Is there just in terms of, um, you know, maybe like best practices or something that you think has been helpful that you see in one country or over another. Again, this isn't a U.S. Mm -hmm. versus Canada kind of thing, but um, just your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, 
So if you're lucky enough to be employed in, in a company that offers decent health benefits in the U.S., there is a lot more focus on prevention because the insurance companies don't want you to get sick. So they offer a lot more than I saw in my Canadian benefits program around preventative services, whether it be nutritional coaching, um, uh, even things like, uh, you know, memberships to WW, which is for, for was, is Weight Watchers now, um, uh, preventative health screenings, um, uh, connections with um, like meditation, like headspace, that kind of thing. Um, so there's a lot more of that going on, but that's if you're lucky enough to be insured. And also, if you were lucky to, enough to be insured, there's a much more um, connection to a practitioner. Um, it tends to be very fast and referrals are much faster where I found part of the journey in Canada was just waiting for those referrals to come through at times, um, which was tough. Um, I don't know so much about the mental health care specifically because my experience is primarily in Canada, but, um, and then there are other things like there's a lot of disruptors and I think they're coming to Canada too, but things like, um, talk space. And, um, I think I saw something called lemonade or something the other day, but it's, it's all digital, digitally enabled apps where you can either text a therapist or, um, have somebody see you on online and, the sessions are a lot more affordable. So I keep referring to, I work in for a retailer, our average age of our employees 25. Um, and I've talked to a couple of our employees that despite the fact that they're insured through our benefits program are enjoying these text-based services because it's just more akin to how they communicate. So I'm, I'm not sure about the availability of those in Canada, but there are those advancements as well. Well, I love that. And I appreciate you know mm -hmm. that perspective because I think, uh, you make a really good point. It's not that everyone necessarily has that um, access or or it's not necessarily provided as part of their benefits, but I think it does give ideas, you know, maybe even if there's one thing that someone could take away, I think there's lessons to be learned, especially from a program mm -hmm. approach, right? So maybe you can't do all those things, but maybe just trying out Headspace for a while and mm -hmm. just, or maybe there's, I think Headspace has a little bit of a free version, but maybe there's something similar to that that has a better free version anyway it just gives ideas of inspiration i think that really people can take away and just learn from mm -hmm. not exactly sort of handed as part of the benefits but um, mm -hmm. i think that's really really helpful um how do you uh because i imagine you interact with a lot of people and i'd love to know a little bit more just about um what you've seen in sort of the workplace you know do you think that you kind of lead or um interact with people in a different way you mentioned that you know you your team kind of could sort of see some signs do mm -hmm. you, think you pick up maybe even if you don't work directly with people you pick up certain signs and what are those signs mm -hmm. or you notice things a little bit more um i'd love to know sort of in the workplace context how that shows up for you yeah i mean yeah definitely i think in a couple of ways i i think i definitely am able i am intuitive. I think I'm just generally an intuitive person, but I can also see some of the signs of like, you know, people withdrawing or becoming more emotional, making more mistakes in their work or missing deadlines, just having, um, 
difficulty catching up with things um, withdrawn. Um, I think where it also helps for me is that I also understand, you know, when someone is coping with things like that, ways that um, the workplace can better support them. So understanding that someone who is struggling may not be sleeping that well. And so mornings might be really tough for them. And so it, is it possible to start meetings later or start their shift later? Um, you know, maybe the thought of too many deadlines is overwhelming. So can you support them by focusing in on one thing? Um, can you create space for them to take proper lunches and be off at a certain time and, and really guide them? Because I think sometimes what happens when people are in distress is it, it spills over into work and it feels like nothing is going well and they're not doing well enough. And so they become really focused on, on their work. Um, and sometimes you just need to say, nope, that's enough for today and, and help them to, to get out and, and take that walk or do exercise or spend time with family to do something that's good for them. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about how we can support people in the workplace. Mm -hmm. How would you say that as like a friend or a family member, um, what are some recommendations that you have? Like, how can I support someone? Yeah. Um, so we think sometimes like it's hard because you have the question or like how are you know how are you is a standard question that we ask in every in every conversation um and i think people will say they're fine but their behavior and demeanor indicates that they're not fine um and so i think some good opening statements can be you know i've noticed that or i wanted to share what i've noticed because i care about you um maybe just bring their attention to some of the things that you're you're concerned about um and then you know um i think you know i've heard i heard this really good analogy well it was it was actually a segment on a like city line or or something like that about you know, getting invited to somebody's cottage for the weekend and how it's really overwhelming, like the overwhelming can be overwhelming from the host to host a lot of people. And what you can best do as a guest is to, uh, instead of asking, what can I bring, get really specific on what you'd like to bring, because it just minimizes things for the host and that's good etiquette. And I, I talk about that all the time at work um, and in my personal life. And, and instead of saying, what can I do? Um, it, it can be really specific. Like, you know, I notice you're working a lot of long hours and you're not taking time to eat. I, I would like to support you by making some meals for you or or um, I would like to support you by, um, you know, helping you close off for the day. And I think those are some ways that um, you can lend support. But most of all, it's with care. And I think sometimes people will still be in the mode that, no, they're fine or they don't want to talk about it. But it's leaving the door open um, and letting them know that you're there and checking in. Um, and there's lots of great memes available online, like questions to ask other than how are you? Like, you know, what was the best thing about today or just keeping the lines of communication open. Like I heard this song today and thought of you, or, you know, I was just thinking about that joke that we used to tell. Um, because I think that 
the hard thing about depression is that it's a mind or mental illness is your mind is playing tricks on you and it can make you feel like you're not, you don't matter. You're not good enough. And so those little, um, check-ins without necessarily demanding something of the person or, or asking that they, to which they must respond. Um, but just telling them that you're there is really helpful. Yeah, that's amazing. One other, um, thing to add to that. I've also mm -hmm. looked on Pinterest for quotes and yes. often look for, you know, specific, if you're looking for something specific, yeah. whether it's happy or laughter or friends or something. Um, and I had a while where a friend and I were just, it was a daily thing. We just sent one back and forth and that's all we had to do. And it, yeah, just those little things, I think really, helpful. really great examples too, um, that can make such a difference. Um, given your your experience and i think uh mm -hmm. you know all of that what would, what would you hope for for the future like what would you like to mm -hmm. see done differently or or um even if it's just steps towards something that mm -hmm. um feels uh like it would create um a better future for all of our mental health is there something that comes to mind that um you think would would improve from, especially from where it was maybe 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it starts like it starts in school. Um, and I often think about the fact that like, you know, so many families are just not equipped, you know, we, we sort of, our parents raise us the way they were raised and we raise our kids the way we were raised. Like there, and, and it takes each of us to recognize what's not working to break that the patterns that were maybe not healthy or not optimal for us. And so um, I think mindfulness and really getting to understand our emotions and stress management and, and uh, being able to express how we feel and ask for things, set boundaries are so important to teach, start teaching at a very young, young age. Um, I think, you know, um, everybody's talking about the social dilemma right now. Like how are we protecting kids mental health through what they're exposed to and like how to give them the skills and tools to manage that. And then, you know, more than that, I think in the community, like I would love for there to be a place just like there's a, just like I can go, you know, here to an urgent care to walk in if I need a, um, you know, an antibiotic for something if I'm getting sick, that I could go somewhere and access immediate mental health care. Um, I think that that is, that is super important. And then for workplaces and academic institutions to, to create programs and policies that support good mental health and uh, offer support students for uh, uh, services for employees and, and um, students. Those are all really important. And then, as I said earlier, you know, uh, wouldn't it be great where we can all say exactly what's going on for us and, and, and just be transparent about that, just like we would if we had a cold. Yes, absolutely. I, um, I'm not sure if your answer will be the same, but just sort of some final thoughts. Is there any advice that you would have for anyone listening to this podcast um, of, I guess, just, you know, having been through your experience, mm. whether they may have it and whatever place they may be with it, maybe they don't know mm. it and they're not aware of it yet, or they're trying to figure out how to start this journey, or maybe they have someone in their life. Cause I think 
So mm -hmm. unfortunately, the numbers are that we probably have at least one person in our life who mm -hmm. might um, have some mental health sort of issues or challenges along the way. Mm -hmm. um, what do you have any sort of parting words for, of advice for, for anyone listening? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a Buddhist saying, but like, we're perfect just by existing. So I think like it's, it's important that people know that they, they matter because I think it's really, especially right now, hard to feel hopeful um, and that there's much to look forward to or that, you know, that feeling of connection and that people need us, especially being at such a distance from each other right now. So um, I think it's, it's recognizing that. And then the second is, um, you know, the Canadian Association of Mental Health, um, uh, National Association for Mental Illness in the U.S., um, there are so, uh, you know, free, low-cost mental health resources. Just Google it and you will get somewhere. Um, and I think the most important thing is, is re reaching out um, to, to someone and making sure that if you're the caregiver for someone who's struggling, that you have support. Um, but if you are the person that's struggling, that you can find somebody that you can trust to support you. Um, and uh, that, uh, you know, don't, it, it, we have to advocate for ourselves, unfortunately, in these situations. And I guess I would say don't, don't give up um, and just keep going because there are people out there in programs that, that will make the difference. Um, and it's just a matter of locating them. That's amazing. It's been so, I just appreciate your honesty and candor with um, sharing your story. And I think that that truly does make a difference, you know, for, for people to hear that. So I thank you very much for that. Um, I guess just before we go, if anyone wants to sort of get in touch with you or find out more about you, um, is there a way that they can connect with you? Yes, I'm Laura Hammond on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, so you can find me there. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Laura, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks. Great. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye.